And we're rolling. Welcome back to episode two of Truth Serum. Ah, uh, so this time, figured out how to work this thing. So hopefully the sound quality isn't complete shit again. Because last time was a bit of a disaster, a real mess up. I had this thing plugged in, but I wasn't able to get it to register on my phone. So my phone was using the built-in mic rather than this fancy lapel mic. And it was goddamn windy. Well, it's pretty windy today anyways. Uh, but it was windy and this thing has this little sock covering. Honestly, I shouldn't be touching it. It's probably screwing up the sound. Probably sounds horrible. Jesus, man. As you could tell, completely new to this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I'm learning as we go. But yeah, episode two. So let's talk about something that's been on my mind for past couple of days. And it's the question, who am I? Better yet, maybe I should ask you, who are you? Yeah, I can hear you answering it in your mind. I can't physically hear you, but I can imagine you are. Uh, who are we? Like, what is humanity? Well, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be human, conscious, all of that? Yeah, big questions. But seriously, let's go really into depth. Let's take a deep dive into what it means to be me, to be you be us. Uh, I kind of covered it a little bit in one of my previous videos, uh, the intro video to Practical Philosophy. Uh, it's my personal opinion that I'm everything. I could be whatever I want to be. And it's got many meanings, and we'll explore all of them. And there are other meanings that I don't quite believe in, at least not in this moment. Maybe I believed in them in the past. Maybe I've heard of them uh, from friends, family, other people, other YouTubers, stuff like that. So we'll explore all of it and I don't know, see how long this one goes. Maybe it'll be an hour, maybe it'll be 20 minutes. Yeah, probably won't be too long because the sun's starting to set down by over here. So it's going to be in my eyes. Maybe I can use my phone to kind of block it out. We'll see. Or maybe I'll just relocate. But yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention. Back at the river today. Slightly different spot. Yeah, the other spot was a little bit crowded. There were some people there. So I came over here for a little more privacy. Still just as nice. Just as nice. Just a little bit different. A little more open over here. I don't know if you can see. A little more beach this time around. Forest isn't as, as deep this time. It's a building kind of behind there. So, uh, let's get to answering the question. Who am I? Well, most obvious answer is, well, I'm Chris. Um, I'm this thing. Yeah, that's me, that's me, this, this hair is me. I'm wearing a shirt, so, so the shirt's part of me. Mustache, part of me. Voice, part of me. I can see my eyes, they're part of me. Uh, I think, therefore I am, that sort of stuff. But let's consider this. What really is the boundary? Where, where, where does the boundary end, if at all even? When I consider the boundary, at least on a superficial level, where my skin ends, where my eyes kind of end, that's where my mind seems like it finishes. And beyond that, it's the external world. I mean, obviously, it's not part of me. You know, is, 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 is this rock part of me? I'd be a fucking idiot if I thought it was. Where is it? I don't know. I'm asking you the question, do you think it is? Maybe I'll change your opinion by the end of this. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just reaffirm what you believe to be the truth. And that's, well, I'm me, ego, yo soy, ya yestem, je suis. All sorts of languages for it. 
basically we all identify with a certain idea of who we are and we create a kind of boundary condition socially accepted norm is we end where our bodies end we end just outside of our head that's no longer us just outside of our eyes that's no longer us but why is it that way why isn't it something else why isn't the boundary a little bit further what if it was one meter away from us that's part of us you know I, whatever i could reach here's my water bottle it's on the floor i could reach that is that not part of me now, let me take another drink oh this water just become me now that it's inside of me well i could reach it with my mouth i can ingest it what if um if i take a little bit of this dust eat that it's now the beach part of me what about the smells if i breathe something in and i inhale it does that become a part of me where's that boundary start where does the boundary end Good questions. Good questions indeed. Oh, you know, we can go with the scientific answer and say, well, the water only truly becomes you once it's fully homogenous in your stomach and it mixes in and absorbs itself through your small intestine and your large intestine and all that junk. And then it becomes part of your cells and it gets transported through your bloodstream. Well, what about the stuff you breathe in? Well, you know, it diffuses through the boundary layer the cell wall inside the lungs and it becomes part of you that's yeah, quite quite a rigorous answer good answer I, it's believable I believe it we all believe it but you know it doesn't mean that's the truth truth can change that's just our model of thinking right now was it like that a thousand years ago not really sure I wasn't around a thousand years ago but you know the records say this and that and there's different religious texts religions have different ways of viewing things than our scientific method does today what about hundred thousand years ago you know before re recorded history what, what, did, what did cavemen consider themselves again I don't know I wasn't around back then I can only assume but what about in a thousand years or even 10 years, I, we're, we're, or even a week from now, or today, nobody considers this, this thing here. The camera. Are we digital now too? Is this kind of an extension of our bodies? Is this an extension of our minds? I mean, you're not listening to me right now. I'm listening to me, but you're not. You're listening to a recording of me, a reproduction of me. You're listening to your computer make noises out of its speakers, or if you have earbuds in, you know, little metal things. You're listening to metal vibrate. It's not me. Is it? Could it be? Does that mean that did, did I find a way to move through space and time? and become a part of your experience totally elsewhere well no, that's, that's what i'm asking here uh, where does that boundary end it's becoming more obvious than ever that these kind of static boundaries of just where our flesh ends they're uh, incomplete descriptions of reality maybe works for you I don't want to change your mind you don't have to but if you want to if you want to explore the depths of existence go places where people don't tend to look these are the kind of questions you're gonna to have to ask these are the kind of thoughts you might have to have I enjoy it I love it to me this is fun I love exploring these things What's the point of having a thinking mind if you don't actually use it? What's the point 
of having the capability to ask questions if we just hold ourselves back from asking ridiculous questions. So that's what I'm trying to say here. What if there is no ridiculous question? What if there is no such thing as an improper or malformed or irrelevant thought? What if we really decide to just, just go out there? Just do it. Ask a question as stupid as, oh, is this rock blue? the water and the water has a bluish tint so I'm seeing a blue rock now yeah it's blue now see ridiculous thoughts but are they really are they really so ridiculous Here, let me pick up another rock it's very clearly yellow now let me show you well it's a little more gray but there's a little blue in there and when the rave, when the wave reflects just right, turns white. It's kind of strange, eh? You see a kid, a child who doesn't yet know better, who just asks questions. Uh, that's the kind of stuff they'd be searching for, but in a way I feel like we get stuck in our ways. We stop asking questions and we start just believing facts. Stuff becomes static. We all know, oh, that rock is yellow, beige, gray. There's no such thing as a blue rock. You can't change colors, certainly. Rocks don't change colors. In the same way that I can't extend beyond my skin. But again, is that necessarily true? Let's explore a different facet. Uh, here's another idea for you to uh, mull over. I'm seeing the light coming off of that water. That light is going through my optic nerve, being processed by my neurons, by my brain. And my brain is forming a kind of virtual reality. But to me, it seems like reality. To, that is reality for me. That's the reality I process. That's the reality I experience. But it's not really reality. Water's doing what it, it's just gonna keep doing what it does. It doesn't care whether I'm processing it or not. Maybe it does. I mean, we can get back to that later. <laughs> But the photons coming off that water, that's what I see. And so I create this virtual reality in my mind. Uh, and what I create is me. So is that water me now? And in a way I'm creating all of my experience. I, how, do, how can I really know that I'm sitting on a rock right now? Well, I feel it. My nerves are sending me impulses through my ass, my spine, to my brain. Uh, I could tap it with my hand. That's like a second sensory input. It makes noise, so I can hear it. I could see it. If I got down, I could probably taste it. I don't know, it might taste salty or something. But these are all just signals that my brain processes and my brain creates this virtual reality so in a way everything I experience is me is my brain my virtual reality is everything and therefore I am everything that's kind of strange isn't it yeah it is it is it's tripping me out a bit Boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries. Where do they come from? Does the physical world, does the real world really make boundaries? Does it really consider boundaries? Does it compartmentalize things? Or does it just sort of exist and just happen? Where everything is interconnected. Really really interconnected.
I think we create those boundaries. What if they're not really there? We just create them. I mean, maybe it makes it easier to comprehend what's happening when we can compartmentalize things, put boundaries around things, and just really focus in on, on individual objects. Kind of cut off the connections and isolate things. Well, now I might argue that's a very simple way of looking at things. It's too easy almost. If we really do consider all those connections and we don't cut them, try, try it. I'm serious. Try to not make these mental cuts. Try to not isolate things. You know, it's kind of like meditation where you try and quiet your thoughts. Try to yeah, just try to not make those cuts. Experience things in their fullest, in their most interconnected state. Without judging them either. Easier said than done. I mean, we can't help but judge. But just watch the judgments if they do happen. Watch them. Don't take them too seriously. Try and take a step back and watch those judgments. Watch those mental cuts you make. Even our language is deeply rooted in this kind of compartmentalization, this cutting. I call it, I call it cutting, but you can call it whatever you want. That's just my way of expressing this idea through language, through these audio-visual waves. But there's no right way to describe it. It's uh, almost beyond description. It's just something we perhaps intrinsically know. As if Imagine if we unlearned language. How would we communicate? How do we understand these ideas? Maybe some ideas are just universally present and we feel them in a non-mental sort of way. I'll, I'll use this to kind of transition into my next concept, which is this non-mental state feeling like a spiritual feeling in a way when you really focus in on that who you are becomes a little clearer at least in my experience when I can get into these states of non-mentalness well I should clarify uh always there, my mind's always running, but if I choose to kind of see a bigger picture, not don't push it aside, not pushing it aside because that's kind of defeating the purpose, compartmentalizing something, uh, but seeing more than just that. Again, it seems to me that I've become interconnected with everything again. Every noise is of my own creation, every sight is of my own creation. Every thought is of my own creation. Yeah. Strange feeling. Feeling of almost Almost like being God. In fact, uh, I'm no expert on this subject. Not like a Zen Buddhist monk or something like that. I haven't really studied religions to extreme depth. But I'm sure there's teachings out there. And, and I, I know of them, uh, just superficially. But there are concepts of this 
godness feeling that I kind of described ineloquently. I'm not, like I said, I'm not great with words. I just kind of try. But a lot of these concepts are just so far beyond language that it's almost comical trying to describe them. Like, how, how do you describe what God feels like? I mean, it's crazy talk. Because it's impossible. You can't describe what God feels like in a limited language. You, you need a bigger data set, in a way, to, to describe something like that. Because God's everything, in this sense. I guess I should clarify a bit. I'm not super religious. And I believe in an intelligent universe. I guess it's just a matter of semantics or definition, but call it what you will. I guess I do believe in God in that sense, if, if that's how you're going to define God. The important part is uh, you have a choice to define me. You could choose to kind of stuff me into a little nice box and say, yes, Chris is a theist. Oh, Chris is atheist. Oh, he believes in God. No, he doesn't. Or maybe you take a more nuanced approach and you're like, well, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. It's up to you. And I don't care. You're free to judge me how you please. I mean, like I said, my, my, my first video is complete trash. Uh, crap sound quality. And this is one of the first things I said in the video too. I was, well, if you don't want to listen, you don't have to listen to me. You can leave. I don't care. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what, what you say about me. You're a free person. Do what you will. But, and let's segue into the next concept to explore. We are also, in part, what other people think we are. And we don't have control over that. See, I just discussed how we have almost ultimate control, infinite control about everything, all of experience, because we create it in our minds, this virtual reality. So that gives us full control over everything. But on the flip side, the duality of nature, the other side of it, the opposite, is where we have no control over it. I mean, how can I control what you think about me? I can try to kind of steer you in the right direction, but at the end of the day, you've got all of the power to choose how you interpret my words. And no matter how much meaning I put behind them, no matter how forceful I try to be with my conveyance of message, you're the very last step. You interpret it how you want to interpret it. Final piece of the puzzle. And so I've got no control over who I am to you or who I am to all the people I know or who I am to my family, to my friends and to my girlfriend, well, she's my fiance now, we'll probably get married soon. See, there you go, see, like, I'm defined as her fiance. That's who I am. According to, I don't know, you, I guess, or her, that's how she views me. So we put labels on people, labels on me. Everyone does it to me. I do it to other people too. I can't stop it. It's these labels that define who we are and we have no control over them. Well, I guess in a sense we do also because uh, we choose to interpret how other people interpret us. It's kind of a back and forth, almost like a paradox now. You know, who, who gets the final say? You choose how you interpret me, and then I choose how I interpret you interpreting me. But you could choose to interpret, to interpret me, interpret you, interpretation cubed, interpretation to the power of four, five, infinity. Like, it's, it's just back and forth. So. Is it really just an exchange? Are we defined by how we exchange our 
relationships between each other, our labels between each other. Well, Jesus, I mean, there's so many ways to think about this. And it's strange because every new question I ask, more questions arise. We explored how I get to control who I am, but then not really because you're viewing this and you get to control who I am by judging me, by putting labels on me. But then it goes straight back to me because I don't care how you view me. I am me. (laughs) Who are you to say who I am? Kind of deal. And then you say, well, who are you to say? Who did I say? Who do you to say? And back and forth. So is it the back and forth that defines who we are? The the kind of speed of 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 connection and 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 I'm losing all my words. This is just so confusing. My legs were starting to get a bit sore sitting on that rock. Well, let's, let's move a bit. Is this part of me? If I were to eat it, does it become me? I mean, I'm interpreting it right now by viewing it. So my mental image of it is created by me. It's me. Is it? And then there's time. And time changes things. See, because at one point, I didn't exist at all. At least not in the current form I am in now. At one point, molecules on my skin here, the atoms in my mind, in my brain, or even the like let's let's start simple my clothes they weren't on me they weren't part of me i put them on they became me but when they weren't a part of me when they were sitting in my drawer it's a different time different space and they just become me over time okay so let's take it one level deeper let's go to the skin cells uh well i ate food once upon a time, these skin cells, carbon atoms, the hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, all those things. Yeah, there's probably a bit of gold in there too. They're part of an apple. And I ate it. Part of the apple just went straight through me and shattered out down the toilet it goes. But some of them stayed. They were part of me. And then I exchanged it with the wind. As the wind blew by my skin, flakes flew away and then they land on the ground and they're reabsorbed into the earth and then a seed that came off a tree comes along lands right on that patch of earth and sprouts and the roots start to absorb and they absorb the nutrients the nutrients that were once my skin cells and it grows into a mighty apple tree once again become an apple that I eat much later in life, maybe now I'm 90, and it becomes me again. So it seems like I come and go, it's exchange. But once I go, is it still me? Are those my skin cells? Well, I don't know. There's two ways to think about it. Yeah, sure, they're detached, they're no longer part of me. Or another way to think about it is once it's me, it's permanently me forever. And so I detach and go somewhere else. That's still me. There's kind of a memory there, maybe a spiritual sense kind of memory. That energy, everlasting energy stays with those skin cells even as they decompose and even as they break apart into individual constituent atoms, even as they are cut up into smaller and smaller pieces. And then those pieces recombine and eventually, maybe, if they're lucky, find their way back to my physical body 
to be reabsorbed and become part of my body again. I was going to say become part of me, but they're always me. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that idea. It's kind of beautiful in a way. Well, what about before I was born or after I die, when I'm no longer conscious? Those atoms were still there, presumably, and they'll still be there, presumably. So let's assume they are. I mean, they say matter and energy can never be destroyed or created, it just always was. So I guess given enough time, I'm talking about a lot of time, like universal kind of scale time, not billions of years, that's a puny number, not even like 10 to the power of 100, that's still a puny number, a number so large, it's infinite. Given an infinite amount of time, that matter and energy would have moved along and and touched interacted with everything all other matter each piece would have combined and decomposed with every other piece all those infinite connections back and forth back and forth and then poof suddenly in this blink of an eye compared to universal scale time I'm born I live and then I die so carrying the idea forward that stuff things have a memory have a spirit an everlasting spirit well the things that are me now were once part of everything else interacting with exchanging with, coming together with, everything else. And then it split, moved around some more, and then combined in just the right sense to be me right now in this present moment, as I'm speaking. To be you in your present moment, as you're speaking. And the real trippy thing, to be me in the, what, in my present moment will no longer be my present moment, it will be your present moment because you're hearing me through your speakers, you're seeing me through that. So your interpretation, your image of me came together just right, just just right. Those, those silicon atoms in your screen right now, in your computer chip right now, the iron atoms in the frame of your laptop or phone, whatever you're watching me on just right in that moment to convey an idea of me to you wow it's truly incredible how commonly consider inanimate objects are able to convey life and meaning through time and space, arranging themselves just right, interacting just right with all of the surrounding things and atoms and electromagnetic fields, all of it, all of it, just perfectly so that I'm speaking into this mic, getting recorded through this camera I'm existing in this moment and you get to experience it later at a different place in a different time almost exactly and you can recreate that image and interpret that image through what through these in in Adam Jesus <laughs> inanimate objects makes me wonder makes me wonder what 
what really is alive, what, what really is inanimate. We'll see. Maybe the better way of thinking about it is that we truly are everything. And then a lot of these strange questions are quite easily answered. Well, life, everything is alive. This isn't, we don't have to create these simplistic or complex, however you choose to view it, definitions, what truly is alive, what isn't alive. And the rock's not alive, but the rock moves over time. The rock changes form over time. The rock interacts with me. The rock is not so static given a large enough time scale. So that weird definition of that's yeah, inanimate kind of breaks down when some of the circumstances change when we start to expand time scales. Whereas a much more encompassing answer would just be, well, the rock's just as alive as the tree behind me. The rock is just as alive as the speck of dust, as the air we're breathing. See, if you really zoom out onto these universal time scales, everything seems alive and everything moves and everything interacts and everything is interconnected on such a deep scale that, that it becomes almost absurd to try and cut it into pieces. But we seem to do it. I'm not judging it as right or wrong. Like I said, there's, there's use cases for chopping things up, compartmentalizing. And there's certainly use cases for keeping it very simple, not cutting it. Here's another one that just came to me. And these ideas just keep coming and coming. Like, I'm telling you, the more you ask questions, the more questions open up. The more you explore ideas, the more ideas seem to come to you. It's like a self-perpetuating cycle. But he, here's the new one. So in this moment, uh, I can choose to be whoever I want to be by our standard definitions. If you just kind of tweak them a little bit, well, I'm a film director. I'm uh, again struggling with the language. I'm an observer because I'm watching. I'm also an absorber because I'm breathing in and absorbing oxygen. As I said, I'm the film director because I'm filming, filmer, I'm a speaker. I'm a poet, if I were to recite poetry, if I started singing, la 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 la. Suddenly I'm a singer. I'm thinking, so I'm a thinker. If I take this dirt here and I pile it up, I make a little pile, and then I put a little piece of wood stick it there. Well, I'm a builder. I just built something. If I were to get up, go over to these here and harvest the leaf, I'm a harvester now. And we can keep going. We can keep going. But I'm sure you're starting to get the idea too now. So I'm looking around. I'm a forger now. I don't feel like forging anymore. So I could choose to stand, become an observer again. If I want to, I could become an asshole, start yelling profanities. But I don't want to right now. So I'm a good guy. Actually, I'm feeling kind of mischievous. So I'll become a villain. 
by eroding this shore prematurely and throwing this rock into the water. Fuck you, rock. Fuck you, shore. Now I'm a villain. I'm destroying. I'm a destroyer. But if I don't want to destroy so much, I can go back to creating. So I'll go back to creating. Now I'm technically creating this whole time. So I just reminded myself, ah, you're right, I'm a creator. Creating this video. My mind's creating this virtual reality. Can't get away from it, so I'm a creator. But every time I choose to judge a thought and discard it, I'm destroying that whole imaginary world, that whole imaginary landscape. So I'm a destroyer in that sense too. Well, what if I dream that I'm a race car driver? Is that real? What if I got so into it? What if I closed my eyes and it felt real in my dream? Am I a race car driver? Let's ignore the dream stuff. Let's come back to solid reality again. It's, uh, it's just easier to work with, right? Well now, when I go back home, I start to cook, I'm a chef. And then I eat my own food, and I start to critique it. So I'm a food critic. What else could I be? I mean, it seems like there's no limit to it. No matter how far I stretch my imagination, no matter how deep and crazy I go, I mean, in that moment, it feels real. If I go to a restaurant, get a job there, now I'm a delivery driver, now I'm a pizza maker, well, then I quit that job, so I go over to an engineering firm, show them my degree, they hire me. Now I'm an engineer. Then I go home and I question, wait, do I really need that piece of paper to be an engineer? Do I really need somebody else to tell me I'm an engineer? What if I myself, I believe I'm an engineer? What if regardless of what everyone else says. I engineer something. I create something, I design something. Does that make me less of an engineer than the accredited engineer? So, does it matter what I think? doesn't matter what other people think. Going back to the idea of you get to interpret who I am. Who am I to you? Am I an engineer? Am I a destroyer? Am I a creator? Here's a funny question. Am I a tree? Now I'm sure you're probably coming up with all sorts of reasons as to why I am not that tree, not this tree, not any tree. So let me turn the question back on to you uh, and ask you, well, can you possibly in any way imagine a way to justify that I am this tree? Crazy talk, crazy talk. But I just spent, what is this, 44 minutes explaining how that might be. I'm not saying it's true or not, I'm just saying it might be. Because a piece of skin that flew off me when I was a three-year-old that landed in the soil, decomposed. Then the seed came along. Yeah, you remember this story. I just said it not too long ago. Grew into a mighty apple tree. 
tree created the apple? Is the apple part of the tree? I mean, yeah. I would say the apple is definitely part of the apple tree. Now you might say, well, the boundary is up until the point in time where the apple is detached from the tree. Physically detached. And then it doesn't matter if I go and eat the, the apple. It's not like I'm becoming the tree or the tree is becoming me and we're both, you know, one. Because uh, physically they're separated. Through space and time. But then again, here's, here's the question. Are you really listening to me? Do you truly believe you're listening to me? That's If you want to go down that path where you don't think the apple is part of the tree through certain boundary in space-time, well, then you're not really listening to me because I'm here now. And it's funny because by the time you hear it, it's no longer me. It's just a reproduction of me. What if you thought about it a different way? There's another way you could possibly think about it. Well, the apple is still in contact with the surrounding air. And all of that air is in contact with maybe the crate that's carrying these apples. And then that crate is once again in contact with some more air and then that air contacts the steel hull of the ship. That steel hull of the ship is in contact with the water. The water is in contact continuously because this is the St. Lawrence River. So if that container ship is on the ocean, continuous water over here that I get to touch. So that drop of water is now inside of me. And it's going to get absorbed continuously through my stomach lining. Isn't that strange? So now, now I'm trying to tell you, uh, there's an apple in a crate on a ship somewhere out in the ocean where I can draw a continuous path of some sort of connection. You know, you don't have to judge them as strong connections. It could be weak connections, but there's still some sort of physical connection here. To over here, to me. Yeah, I mean, sure, you know, like I said, stronger, weaker connections. What if I said, well, you know, technically there's some sort of connection through the air. Once, once you get to the air, everything is interconnected in this atmosphere. So the air touches me, touches my skin. It's in contact with me indirectly. Weak connection, sure, fine, I get it, but you know. Here's a slightly stronger connection without any kind of jumps. What about the gravitational field? Gravity, space-time molds the gravitational field. So the gravitational field coming off that apple is constantly in connection with me and interacting with my gravitational field, my electromagnetic field, whatever energy field you want to describe, always in connection. Ah, getting kind of tired of looking into the sun there, it's too, too bright. Yeah, that's better. Constant connection, interconnection. Well, it's been 50 minutes, or 49.30 if, to be exact, and I still have no freaking clue who I am. That's not even getting into the more complicated questions of why I am. or where I am. We can discuss that in future episodes for sure. Just to give you a little glimpse as to my thought process as to where I am, well, you know, sure, makes sense. I'm here, I'm right now. 
Uh, but it kind of seems like, is there something behind my eyes? I mean, it kind of stops there. So how do I go inside my inside? Or where I am, is that the outside? Furthermore, I mean, now I'm being digitally recorded, so it's part of my essence inside of this phone. It's part of my essence, suddenly part of the internet, part of your hard drive, now that you're downloading this video. Like, the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I guess where goes with who and what? Eh, seems like these questions are interconnected too. So, again, consider this. Who are you? And what if you are everything? What implications will that have? Implications. All right. See you next time. Imagine if, just imagine if, we truly knew who we all were. What a wonderful world it would be.